Today, my message is going to be on foundations. Wow, that's riveting. Um, <laughs> when you think of a foundation, what, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? A house? Yeah. A house, a building? Um, how about education and career? Uh, what about up, upbringing? Or experiences a lot of those things are a part of a foundation a foundation is something we don't really think about but this building is on a foundation how many of you guys walk into the church and go wow yeah I was thinking about the foundation today <laughs> no you don't think about that do you guys drive down the road and you see somebody you're like hey Bob nice foundation <laughs> no how many of you guys live in a, in a house or an apartment raise your hand yeah it should be everybody hopefully you know <laughs> but each one of us has a foundation it's underneath us it's there how often do you think about it foundations are typically hidden you may see a foundation, the evidence is it's just above ground, but that's not entirely the whole thing. Most foundations are hidden. You don't walk into this church and see the foundation. You see the carpet, you may see tile, you, 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 you may be on a stage, which is, can be a little wobbly. But foundations are there, and there is evidence on whether it is a good foundation or whether it is a bad foundation. Have you guys figured out what you're doing? No? No? Yeah. You guys have a good idea of what you're doing? Yeah. Okay. That's a good foundation right there. You guys are doing pretty good. How's your foundation? You don't have one yet? You're trying, you're trying to figure it out? Somewhat. Somewhat? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. You guys can have a seat. <laughs> I want to, yeah, give them a hand. Give them a hand. I wanted to illustrate on this side, they were looking at a blueprint. They were looking at something that was set out ahead of them to be able to build. This side, they had a blueprint, but they weren't using it. They were, they were looking at their tools. They were, you know, trying different things. And so... Uh, I'm going to come back to that, um, and so I want you guys to remember this. Foundations are typically hidden. You have a bad foundation, what happens? You have a bad house. You have a bad building. What is required when, that, when you find out you have a bad, bad foundation? It needs to be fixed. It needs to be inspected. Before you can sell your house, what happens? Somebody comes to the house to inspect it. Do they just drive by and look at it? Well, maybe in the old days. But usually they crawl underneath. They take a look. They, they check for certain things that they know could be a problem. Because you don't want to buy a house with a bad foundation, do you? No. So we need to, we need to, uh, to have... Our foundations inspected too. Inspection 
is the, the inspections are there to know the truth. And sometimes we walk around with hidden foundations. We look at things on the outside. If I was to drive by Bob's house and say, hey man, nice foundation. You don't see the foundation. What do you typically see? You see the house. You see what's built on top of it. We, need, uh, we sometimes go through life and, and if, if there's a bad foundation, we want to blame the blueprints. Blueprints are typically drawn up by an engineer, somebody who's studied, somebody who, who knows the different angles and, and, and the loads that are needed for it. But we want to blame the, the blueprints. And what happens after that house is gone? Sometimes you'll come across and see, oh, there used to be a house here. The evidence is the foundation. That foundation is still there. So the structure could be gone, but the foundation still stands. Does your foundation have integrity, strength, and longevity? A good foundation does. So in, our, in, in the youth, we've been going through the book of Matthew. And we go chapter by chapter. And, and we're, we're learning about what Jesus is doing with his disciples. And we're walking with him every day. And one of my favorite passages is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is a beautiful blueprint of how we are to live our life. So in, uh, in it, we have the Beatitudes. Jesus talks to us about being salt and light. And then uh, he, he, he says, he, he gives a disclaimer. He goes, I didn't come to... Uh, I didn't come to um, uh, get rid of the law, but I came to fulfill it. The law was there. It was there as a foundation for what he was going to build his church on. So he didn't dismiss it. He didn't say, okay, I'm here. You can get rid of it. But it was something that was there. The problem was, is that the people didn't know how to read the law. Or they read the law, but they had their own interpretations of the law. So Jesus would go on to say, you have heard. You have heard, do not murder. But I tell you, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. You have heard, don't commit adultery. But if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. You have heard, you have heard, you have heard. And then he moves on to things that he was going to teach by giving to the needy, praying, fasting, storing up treasures in heaven, and not to worry. Those things weren't in the law, but Jesus was teaching. He taught, he taught the law. Jesus went, uh, he was a teacher. He was a teacher of the law. He was a lawyer. He was a rabbi. And he had students, which are his disciples. A disciple is a student. And so he was teaching. And at the very end, at the very end, this is what he said. In Matthew chapter 7, verse, we're going to go 21 to, uh, 21 to 29. 
It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will my Father who is uh, of the Father, my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because its it has its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus didn't tell us that if we follow him, everything's going to be good. He didn't say that all your worries are going to be taken care of. That when you follow me, you're going to grow rich, you're going to have a big house, and nothing is going to come against you. But in Jesus' teaching, he says, when the rains come, and when the waters rise, where is your foundation? What is your foundation on? So a lot of times we, we go through life and we think, oh, I'm, I'm going to church, I'm being a good Christian, I'm patting myself on the back, and, and I'm doing all these good things. But why are these other things happening to me? Why do I have conflict in my life? Why, why, why every time I go to work, I dread it? Or every time I go, to ho go home, there's always conflict or, or anything like that that happens. I thought I was being a good Christian. But that's not what Jesus said. He knew that we were going to have conflict in our life. He knew that we were going to experience pain and, and that that no matter what we did, whether it was our fault or somebody else's, that, that we were going to uh, go through things that are not pleasant. But he, he says, if you take these words of mine, apply it to your life, your house will stand as long as it's on the rock. The Jew, uh, uh, actually I want to uh, say in... Luke chapter 6. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are part of the synoptic gospels. There's a lot of the same stories that are being told, but from different points of view or from uh, as, as different eyewitnesses. In Luke chapter 6, uh, verses uh, four, uh, 43 through 49, Jesus is concluding with this, uh, his Sermon on the Mount. And this is what he said in Luke. No good tree bears bad fruit, 
But does a bad tree bear good fruit? Each tree is recognized by his own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of his good stored, uh, his good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show them what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, uh, uh, struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Jesus taught the Jews. He taught them, and he ruffled some feathers. What he did was he turned everything upside down. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the fun things that I get to teach to the kids is uh, it, the, the Jews thought, they believed that if you were rich, healthy, and prominent, you were blessed by God. And that if you were poor, sick, outcast, that you were cursed by God. In John chapter 9... Jesus healed a blind man. He was walking along the road, and this blind man came, uh, heard him, and said, Please heal me. The disciples turned to Jesus and asked him a very interesting question. They asked him, Whose sin caused this man to be blind? Was it the man or his parents? And actually they said, which is very interesting and I find very uh, telling, is that who caused this man to be, to be blind from birth? This man or his parents? They believe that you can sin in the womb. Because if you are sinning and you're in the womb and you come out blind, that that's the cause of your blindness. But Jesus had something very interesting to say. He said this, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. They believed that blindness, sickness, poverty was a cause of sin and that they were being cursed by God. Jesus turned everything upside down. He was like a wrecking ball that was going through the law and telling everybody that what you believe in is not right. Jesus, and this is what I teach the youth. Jesus always goes to the heart. I was uh, talking to somebody this morning and um, we were talking about being dressed up. Why do we get dressed up in suits? 
You know, we, we were told that, oh, if you're going to church, that you need to dress up in, in your best dress because you're giving your best to God. I had a conversation with, a, with a, a, a friend years ago, and we were talking about this. And I said, really, where does it say that in the Bible? I wasn't trying to be rude, but, you know, why, why do we do things like that? And so I started to think, why, why do we do certain things? Why do the Jews believe certain things? And then it was like, it's because of tradition. When the turn of the century, if you were to look at a, at a, um, a photo of, of people walking down the streets or watch an old real movie, silent movie of people walking down the streets in like New York, everyone was dressed in a suit. If you saw hobos in a picture, they had a suit on. Everyone wore a suit. So, when they went to church, they wore their best suit. They didn't want to wear their everyday suit, they wanted to look their best. And so tradition moved on. You go to church in a suit. You wear a suit. You wear your best. And that's where it came from. But Jesus had something to say. He told the Pharisees, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but inside you have dead bones. So a lot of times we think, oh, they look like they're doing great. Everything is good on the outside, but deep down inside there's turmoil. Foundations are hidden. Do we look at successful people and think that they're blessed by God? We look at politicians, entrepreneurs, actors, TV evangelists, and pastors. How many of them have fallen? Be careful with who you follow. Luke chapter 14, 25 through 27, and we're going to do more, says this. A large crowd was traveling with Jesus, and, turn, and he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I want to stop right there. I struggled with that scripture for a long time. I love my parents. I love my wife and children. I, I, I mean, I love my life, but I also love Jesus. Jesus, Jesus was saying, unless, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. I'm like trying to wrap my brain around that. And a couple years ago, God showed me something. I was watching YouTube. I like, I like YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I was watching YouTube, and I came across the testimonies of Messianic Jews. And it fascinated me. Because they had the Law and the Prophets. They had, the, the, the Jewish people have the Law and the Prophets. I have the Law and the Prophets right here also. It's in my Bible. And I also have the New Testament. 
and the Holy Spirit to guide me. But they were giving their testimony on how they came to Christ. And there was a single, uh, a single moment in almost every testimony that caught my ear. Because the one thing they dreaded was to go to their family and tell them that they are following Jesus. And the one phrase that escaped the mouths of the mothers and the fathers and the family members were, why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? They said, I'm following Jesus. Why do you hate me? And it clicked. I'm like, oh, Jesus understood the Jews. He understood the people that in order for them to follow Jesus, they had to hate their mother and their father. They had to hate their wife and their children. Not hating them and saying, I hate you. No. But to them, following Jesus was turning against them and what they believed in. And they said, why do you hate me? And I love this. I, I love the scripture. I love this passage because it makes sense. Sometimes in order to do the right thing, we have to hate the things that are against God. Not the people, but the things. Uh, Luke 14, 28 says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. So he just said, uh, you know, pick up your cross and, uh, you know, you have to pick up your cross and, to be my disciple. He goes, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether, whether he is able with 10,000 men to, to oppose the one that comes against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. There's a cost. There's a cost in following Jesus. What does that cost? Could it be prestige? Wealth? Is it, is it the love that your family members may have for you? Is it even your own life? We have, to, we have to count the costs. We have to look at our life and say, what does it cost to follow Jesus? In, this, in, in, in our world right now, to say that you're a Christian is almost like putting a target on your back. It's not like uh, in, in, in some of the countries around the world where they will kill you. But we become a target. We become a, a target of ridicule. We may uh, have people say, well, I don't want you to work for me anymore. Or, or stuff like that. We have laws that are against doing those types of things, but we can't help what people feel. And in the same way, we can't judge others who don't believe and treat them the same. We have to show them love and mercy 
And sometimes it means dealing with them. How many of you guys have ever worked in a place and all you heard all day long was cursing? Yes. How many of you guys kind of got drug into it somewhat? I did. I didn't like it. And I said, Lord, I need you to help me. I can't do this. And, and sometimes people will know that you're a Christian. They'll say something, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you're like, okay, don't be sorry. Why are you sorry? Hopefully it's the Holy Spirit tapping on their heart and saying, yeah, you shouldn't be saying that. But we need to be salt. We need to be light. We need to be attractive. Not physically attractive, but we need to be attractive spiritually to those that are around us. Luke chapter 9. Jesus was... Um, predicting that he was going to die. He did it many times. His disciples were like, don't say that. Why are you doing that? I'm so confused. I thought you came here to to kick out the Romans. Why are you going to die? Why are you telling us that you're going to die? Are you giving up? But Jesus strictly warned them in Luke chapter 9, verse 21. Jesus said, do not tell anyone. He said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They must be, uh, he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus understood what he had to do. He had a target on him. He was there for a purpose. But he also called us to do the same. Where's our cross? What is our cross? Sometimes sometimes, uh, our crosses can be different. What does that look like? It says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Uh, Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the king of God, the kingdom of God. We live today in a post-Christian society. It's moving further and further from the word of God. We recognize that. We see that. We see it in our workplaces. We see it on social media. We see it in our schools. And as we move further and further away, it gets darker and darker. We need to be light. The world has their own ideas of how to live. We see that daily. It contradicts a lot of what the scripture says. Do they have a blueprint? This is my blueprint. They don't have a blueprint because who are we to judge what they do? Who are they to judge? Wait, unless they don't like it. And we do the same thing. We judge people when we see something we don't like. They see see something they don't like. They judge us too. The problem is is that we're not supposed to judge unless it conflicts with what 
we believe in or they believe in. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. That's a very uh, famous passage that's in Judges. In those days, there was no king. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. How many of you guys have read the book of Judges? It is a messy book. It has some stuff in there. They're like, whoa, they went off the deep end. But it's because they did what was right in their own eyes. Are we doing the same? If we look at the news, are things getting better? No. But we move further and further from the Word of God. What is your foundation on? That's, that's one of the questions I'd like for you to think about. What is your foundation on? My foundation is on Christ. On the solid rock. My foundation is there. So when the storms come and the waters rise, my, my house will still stand. Who I believe in will not change. And I have that hope in my heart that love that He has to go out, even though things seem crazy. Ephesians 2.11 says this, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those called, calling themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time, you were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the, uh, to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came, and he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and were members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole uh, building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in God. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. We were separated. Everyone was separated. It doesn't matter if you were Jew, Gentile. We were all separated. Jesus came 
And he shed his blood on the cross so that we would have peace and be brought together as one with our foundation on the rock, with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Is Jesus your cornerstone? Are you reading his blueprint? I, I say this a lot, um, especially in youth. And I say, this is the greatest single text message that you will ever receive. It's a lot. And we need to be reading God's Word. Many of us will go through life going, I wish I could hear from God. I, I wish that He was speaking to me, yet we don't open up our Bibles. We say, oh, it's so confusing. I don't know what it means. And that's okay. That's okay. That's why we have each other. That's why the church exists. That's why we walk together. Are we reading His blueprint? Uh, the Daily Audio Bible is one of my favorite. Uh, it could be an app or podcast. But every day, Brian Harden takes you through the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament to the Psalms and the Proverbs. So that from January 1 to December 31st, you go through the entire Bible. If you haven't um, done that before, I highly recommend it. This is my seventh year, seventh or eighth, eighth year. And it's wonderful. We, uh, my wife and I, well, at night, listen to the daily audio Bible together before we go to bed. And the stories, there's beautiful stories. There's ugly stories. This week had a pretty ugly story in it. And it was like you're sitting there going, oh, oh. No, I don't like that. I don't like it. But God takes everything that's good and everything that's ugly, and He uses it to His benefit. And sometimes we don't like it because maybe it's a reflection of who we are. And we don't like who we are. But with God's Word, He's speaking to us, and He can help to fix us. If you have a bad foundation, you don't just go, oh, the house is gone, you walk away. You know, you call somebody in, you do the hard stuff, you get the foundation repaired, you get, it, you get it to where it's livable. You don't just patch the cracks and just hope that it goes away, because it doesn't. You have to fix it. And being together in the body of Christ is key because we walk together. We say, hey, you know what, I'm struggling. I've been walking with people saying, hey, I'm struggling. And they go, yeah, me too. And we walk together. We don't judge each other. We don't say, well, mm, I can't be Pastor Joseph's friend anymore. But what we do is we walk together and we help each other. We support each other. That's what our Life Together groups are all about. Our Life Together groups are not just something for us to do. It's not something to fill our calendar. But if you look around and you see the people who are sitting here, 
These are people that we need to be in each other's lives. Some of us need to be with people who are much older because they have wisdom. Some of us need to be with others that are younger because maybe they have more energy. But we need each other. We can't go through life by ourselves. If you're going through life by yourself, you're an easy target. And when you're an easy target, then who are you going to reach to? How are you going to get there? So we need each other. I want to encourage you guys to be in God's Word. Look at His blueprint. Apply it to your life so that your foundation is solid for when the storms come and the water rises, that you will stand firm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us as we walk every day. Help us to dive deep into your word so that we can hear your voice. And Holy Spirit, help us to understand the things that we don't understand or comfort us with the things that we don't understand. I pray, Lord, that you would, that you would help us to build our house on a firm foundation. Thank you that you are a rock, that you're the rock of our salvation, that you're our cornerstone. I thank you that you died on the cross for us and that, that through that we have been grafted into your body. I pray that we would be your hands and feet as we move out into this world so that the, the place that we're, where we work or the place where we live, if it's hostile, if it's dark, that we, your light would shine through us so that people would see you and would come to know you. For, I pray for everybody that's here, whether they're old or young or somewhere in between, that you would help us to walk through this life. We can't do this without you. Thank you, and we love you, Lord. In your name, amen. I want to uh, invite a couple people up here. Reese, come on up. And Emma. Didn't have a chance to sit down. Um, as, as the youth pastor, uh, I, I have the privilege of being able to teach young people. I didn't really have Emma um, in uh, for youth, but through uh, life together, uh, you know, I got to be in her life. And Emma just graduated from USC. Yeah, from college. And she's about to go out into the world. You're going to get married and then have a job and then get to do what a lot of us have already started and, and or, or near the end of. Some, some people are retired. Imagine that. I, I think I still have like 25 years. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, you're getting to uh, go out into the world and to take what you have taken here and go with it. And Reese. Reese just graduated from high school. And he is getting ready to go to USC. All right. <laughs> and, um, and so one of the things that we do with uh, high school graduates 
is we give them a blueprint. Yeah. Emma has hers. And uh, this blueprint is to help you to build a firm foundation. So we put his name in it, and it's from our church. So congratulations. It's funny because this is the blueprint that was given to me by my church back in California. I take it with me everywhere. And this is something that I treasure. Because not only is it the Word of God, but it helps me to know that God is with me everywhere I go. So I want you to remember that. Uh, parents, come on up. Uh, congregation, we're going to pray for these graduates. I would like for you to extend your hands and let's pray together. And uh, we're going to send them off into the world. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for endings and beginnings. Lord, we have an ending that has happened, but also a new beginning that is about to happen. We pray right now for Emma as she has left college and is about to venture into the world. I pray that you would guide her steps, that, Lord, that you would put her in a place that you want her, that she can be uh, most effective, and that uh, that as she makes decisions in life, that, that she would put her trust in you. That, that you would be able to take her places that she never thought were possible. Lord, I pray that you would be with her as she makes decisions on career, whether it's postgraduate stuff or whatever. But Lord, that you would be with her always. And for Reese, Lord, we pray for Reese, that as he is completed, his requirements for his uh, diploma, that Lord, the things that he's learned, the, the practices that he has, that he'd be able to apply it to college. That Lord, that you'd give him wisdom and knowledge to help him to make the right decisions, but also to be um, salt and light in a dark place. We pray, Lord, that your protection would be upon him. That Lord, that he would be in your word, that his foundation would be on you and that people would look up to Him, and that, that they would see Your light shining through Him. We pray for these families, Lord. As, as things change, uh, uh, there's always uncertainty, there's always excitement, there's always fears. I pray for both of these families that You would be with them. That, um, and also for Trinity, who couldn't be here. We pray for her family, too. That, uh, that these three families would be able to um, be a blessing upon these graduates, that their wisdom and guidance would be taken to heart, and that, Lord, that you would walk with them. We thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives, and we thank you for being our foundation. In your holy name, amen. Amen.